Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make the second half of life even better than the first. Graduating from college as an outstanding student in French, Jim Bryan began his career as a high school foreign language teacher on Long Island. But over the years, his passion for teaching would take him on an unexpected journey that would lead him to an iconic role as, in his words, a spreader of happiness. In today's episode, Jim will talk about how his career evolved through a series of shifts across the educational and business worlds to a moment when he decided to take a volunteer job teaching prisoners locked up for multiple DWI convictions. It was then he had an aha moment, realizing that his true passion was teaching personal development. Jim will talk about how this epiphany led to his widely popular book, Simple Happiness, 52 Easy Ways to Lighten Up, and to his current career as a motivational speaker and author, sharing his simple happiness message through empowering seminars across the country and sending out a weekly email of aha moments to thousands of people every Wednesday. Jim has discovered that he has the ability to turn profound concepts into easily understood solutions, and with humor, anecdotes, and song, his presentations have folks leaving excited about the possibilities of living a better life. So now, let's meet our guest, Jim Ryan. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So uh, I, I did uh, encapsulate a little bit about your career, uh, but I like to start all my shows with a little bit more of, of letting my guests, rather than give their resume, just talk a little bit about their journey, about how it is um, that they got to where they are today. So you've got an interesting, effective career, but to take me through a few of the steps to where you got to your aha moment of uh, teaching uh, personal development. Well... I've always been interested in personal development. I've always read a lot, gone to seminars, listened to tapes. And, you know, in my family, I'm married and I have three children. We all have our own lane of reading interest. It's so, it's it's funny. My my wife loves to read everything, mostly novels, mysteries, intrigue. My older son loves, has the same interest in novels. My second son has an interest in um, nonfiction, history, world history. And my daughter, all she would, well, she would just read stuff like 17 magazine. And I would only read personal development stuff. I, I would have to force myself to read a novel. But anyway, hmm. so that, that, you know, it kind of describes my, my, my lane, my interest. So I've always been interested in personal development. I would see two people seemingly, uh, you know, on the exterior, very similar. You know, they're healthy, nice families, good incomes, so on. One's happy and one is miserable. And I've said, what's going on here? What's the dynamic that, that makes one person happy and the other one not? You know, and it's not right. necessarily the externals. So that's kind of been in the background of my mind for a long time. And uh, I, I, I was teaching... I used to be a teacher. As you said, I taught French and Italian, and I was a guidance counselor, and I loved teaching. It was, it was really exciting. I, but I just decided in, in my mid-30s that I, I wanted to try something else. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, mm-hmm. 
uh, I had a summer job managing a tennis club out in the resort area of Long Island, out in East Hampton. And I, mm-hmm. I would bring my family out there every summer, and I, would, I was the manager of this club with all these you know, millionaires. And it, it, it kind of opened my eyes to new possibilities. So the, the bottom line is, after eight years of that, I used my connections at the tennis club and went into the investment business. And I was a financial advisor for over 20 years. But that, that personal development, you know, light bulb was always in the back of my head. And I had a friend who, uh, from our, from our church who was teaching a Bible study class out in the jail. And I would confide in him. He was an older gentleman. I had a lot of respect for him. And, and I told him what I thought I wanted to do. And he said, no, 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 there's more for you, Jim. There's more. I see. I play the guitar, and I was. I, I would always volunteer at nursing homes, and I'd go and play songs, and play my guitar, and sing songs, to entertain the, the, you know, the old folks. And mm-hmm. I, I told my friend Dan that that's what I decided. I'm gonna, I'm gonna entertain the old folks. And he, he looked at me, square in the eyes, and said, "No, Jim, there's more for you." So anyway, mm-hmm. he introduced me to the jail. And it was a, it, that was an aha moment. I, mean, I started teaching this class in personal development to men who were locked up for multiple DWIs and, and women. They asked me to teach the women the same course. And it was a turning point for me. They liked the mm-hmm. program. They'd shake my hand. They'd say, thank you. It just filled me up to go there. So that, that was the start. Yeah, yeah. So what, why, what do you think was, because it's interesting that you would, that people in jail would, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of cynicism and, and, uh, and you're like, well, what is this guy going to really teach me? So what did they say to you in terms of, you know, why do they find it so meaningful and why did you connect with them? Because you could have connected with a lot well, of people, but this, you know, was interesting that it came through this connection. Yeah, it was, I was apprehensive for sure. Um, I, being a teacher, I would, I would, you know, it was a volunteer thing, and I, I put together this 10-week course, and I would, you know, do all my notes on a yellow pad, you know, very, you know, studiously. But the key was, and this is something my father told me when we were growing up. He said, there's no sound so sweet as the sound of your own name. And that huh. kind of, you know, was in the back of my mind. So when I was teaching, I knew everybody in the school. I, I made it a point to, you know, to know all the kids, especially as a guidance counselor. And it's a gift that I have of remembering large, group of, large groups of people, their names. So I went into the jail, and there's 25 guys sitting there, and I learned all their names. And they would come in, and I would say, hi, Tom. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Nick. You know, just, and that kind of softened them right up. When they knew that I cared enough to know who they were, they were in right. the palm of my hand. It was putty. And, and, and that was, that was the, the real key. And, and, and I also like, like that introduction that you, that you read, you know, I do have this ability to, to get into the underbelly of people and talk about, you know, profound concepts in an easily understood fashion. So, you know, it just, it came quickly. They, they got, they got to like me. They knew, they saw that what I was offering them had value. And, and and it was a, it was a wonderful relationship, and I loved going there. It was a pain in the neck yeah. driving forty five minutes to get there. But <laughs> it was you know leaving. I got more out of as much or more out of it than they did. It was a wonderful yeah. relationship. Well, I think no, I I, I liked the, that story because I think it really shows, um, you know, people respond to you know the way you treat them. I mean, in other words, they're in jail. 
or at least a halfway house, whatever. Um, and yeah, and, and you take they're locked up. Yeah, you're, you're taking the trouble to really, you know, talk to them and and pay attention to them. And I think so. It's a statement of real, you know, caring in lots of ways. Um, that that you know that, that yes, that you you know their name. So so you know they're in a system that that depersonalizes them, and you've restored them as people. You know, and and, uh, and also I think that you're not you're not. You know, you talk about your own humility, and I think that's part of it, too. They realize that you're not lecturing them, you're not talking down to them. You know, you're, you're basically talking to them at a level that, that you know they can understand and appreciate. So I think that, you know, the simplicity part of it, I think, is important. And, and uh, so I was going to ask you about, you know, the, your title of your book, you know, Simple Happiness. I think that's an important element, that you know, you're trying to just basically... You know, not complicate things because life is complicated. We know that, <laughs> but I think people are looking for that kind of simplicity, right? And it, yeah, ab- you know, that's that, that's for sure, absolutely. These uh, people make their lives so complicated. People, you know, they they're always thinking about what's going to go wrong in their life. They're focusing on you know their problems versus what's going right in their life, and. And these the guys in the jail. That's what I tried to turn them around. We, you know, you've got strengths. We would talk about what are you good at? What do you like to do? Because so often, what we're good at and what we like to do can be the key to our happiness, the key to our success. You're a journalist. I'm, you like to write. You know, that's your gift, and and, and it's it, it come it comes through. And everybody has their own gifts, their own abilities, their own likes, even if it may not be your career, but if you've got something that brings you joy, brings you fulfillment, it can, it can, you know, make things better, make things easier for you. It's really not that complicated once we really, you know, think about it, It, you know, what we like to do brings us happiness. Right, right. And, and you, um, so did, I noticed that. So um, when I met you initially, you were on Long Island, where I am. Uh, now you've moved to Tennessee, and you've um, uh, you've resumed a course down there for people. I guess women in also in a similar situation. Have you noticed? Uh, is it basically uh, sort of universal in terms of how they respond, what they need? It is. You know, the, the the desire to be happy is universal. Some people mm-hmm. get so lost, and, and, you know, off 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 track, like the kid, like these people in jail. You know, they're drug addicts, they're alcoholics, and they've they've moved away from a normal life where where their focus is just on survival more than you know trying to be fulfilled and, and, and accomplish anything. So, my course tends to try to bring them back into the real world. Where they can be successful, they can be happy. It, it, mm-hmm. you know, and the women are the same as the men. You know, they're 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 trying to make their way back, and, and it's it's humbling and it's eye opening to hear what they really feel. And we'll go around with the women. You know, they're in a halfway house. They're released from prison, and they're they have a structured uh, transition into the real world. And we go around, the, go around the room and say, what are you grateful for? And this one woman floored me. She says, I'm grateful that I got arrested. She said, huh. if I didn't get arrested, I could be dead. So they've lost their way. And sometimes they need to be tugged back into a, a confined, incarcerated situation. To you know, They know that they've hit bottom. Now maybe they can have a chance to start to move you know, back into 
into life as a, as a fulfilled person. Right, right. Yeah, so you and I talked before about just, you know, the notion of happiness and fulfillment. And, uh, you know, I think that that's, you know, in looking through the book, you, you clearly um, flesh out a lot of these ideas um, as, you know, you're not happy in terms of being, you're grinning <laughs> in a state of bliss, <laughs> but that there is a sense of fulfillment, right? That that's what we're talking about. Um, well, so so basic to our own fulfillment and happiness is, is finding out, like I said before, what we're good at, what we like to do. What's your purpose? Why are you doing, why are you getting up every day? Why are you going to work? Or why are you doing whatever you're doing? And if we can, we have to think about some, that sometimes and, and just sit quietly and understand what our purpose is. And once we find our purpose, whatever it might be, it might be something fabulous, it might be something very simple as to be, you know, a loving mother to to have my own apartment, to, you know, have a, my own car, things that so many of us take for granted. These are, these are accomplishments for people who are, you know, locked up and coming out of prison. Uh, right. Finding your purpose is, is, is critical, and, and that, that really leads to being happy. Right, yeah. And we'll, we'll get to the 52 easy ways, but um, I found it interesting that your subtitle is uh, 52 easy ways to lighten up. So talk about the notion of lightening up for me. What, what does that uh, mean to you? We take ourselves so seriously. We, we, we kind of live in, in a world of being self-important. Now more than ever, with all the social media and the selfies and, and all this baloney that people subject themselves to, they allow themselves to be judged by others instead of just feeling and finding your own worth and your own essence of, of you know what we're what we're here for on earth um and again people are so many people are thinking about what's going wrong in their life versus what's going right in their life it's it, it's really not so complicated but if we would just give ourselves a chance to to, to look at the, the simplicity of things uh, certainly the, you know life is complicated as you mentioned you know i'm not trying to you know, sugarcoat things because some people have real issues and real problems, but we need to have perspective. And, and that's what a lot of these chapters do. They give perspective on life. Um, I was, I, 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 I give talks and retreats and churches and the talks in the secular world. A woman came up to me after one of the talks and she said, you know, I've got MS. I, I was diagnosed with MS several years ago and I've never been happier. You know, I, I see the goodness of others who are compassionate, and I, I've changed my perspective on life, knowing that I have this debilitating uh, disease, but it, it's brought out the good. My, it, it's brought out a perspective that I didn't have before. We take so much for granted that uh, we, we, you know, we, we just miss out on, on feeling gratitude. It's a simple thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have, um, so there are 52 easy ways. So I assume that um, it is your uh, strategy is for people to think about, you know, um, a chapter uh, for every week of the year. Is that the idea, 52? Well, it came down to that. I, I, the book is, is uh, patterned after Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. It was a, it was right. a self-help book written by Richard Carlson, who was a psychologist who passed away about 10 years ago, 
But that book really grabbed me. I loved the simplicity of the book, the short chapters where you, it was not a tome that would be difficult and, and you know, uh, threatening to, to open. You know, it, it, it's just a simple uh, two or three pages in every chapter. And I was on vacation with my wife down in Virginia years ago, and I said, why don't you go shopping? I, I'm going to go back out and sit on the patio, and I'm going to brainstorm. So what I did is I sat down with a yellow pad and just wrote down things that I thought I could write about, you know, and they turned out to be many of the chapter headings here. And I couldn't get to 100. <laughs> I couldn't think of that many things. I thought of about maybe 58. And then when I came home, I, I, would, I would get up every morning. I would wake up early, 5 o'clock, and make a pot of coffee, and I would write for 45 minutes. And mm. I, would take, I would take each, you know, one of the chapter headings and write an essay about it. And that, that was my discipline. And if it, if it came quickly in 45 minutes, that was it. Right. If I was still, mm. you know, struggling at 45, I would put it away and go back the next day. So I just, mm. that was my discipline. And yet, I, hmm. I really think you need some kind of a, a, a discipline, whether it's writing early in the morning, like myself. Some people are at their best late at night. You need to have a, a, a plan. And uh, right. so that was my plan. Right. And hmm. I, I, would, I would show my chapters to my assistant. You know, I was, I was in the financial business at the time. So my assistant, I would, I would give it to her. I would write on a yellow pad, old school, and she would type it in a Word document. And she made the observation. She said, Jim, the chapters, they start off real good, but they kind of peter out at the end. And I, you know, I guess that was, I wanted to finish. I wanted to get done. But I took that advice and I, and I tried to finish strong in each chapter. And that was a real, you need feedback. Because, you know, if you try to do it all by yourself, you're making a big mistake. So that was a right. lot good feedback for me to try to finish strong. Right, right. Yeah, very interesting. So, um you do need a discipline, and uh, you do need to make uh, choices in life. I think that one of the things in, in your description of the woman um, with MS was that it reminded me of um, uh, a book that was written sort of as a narrative of, of stories that, that uh, um, underlined your, a lot of your principles. Um, it was called Happiness is a Choice You Make, uh, and he was a guest on my show, the author, um, John Leland uh, from, from the New York Times, and uh, you know he, he interviewed uh, uh, and actually spent a year with people who were over the age of eighty-five, you know, and expecting like he just wanted to chronicle what it was like because uh, the, the eighty-five-year-olds are the fastest-growing demographic in our country, um, and I think he went in expecting like, oh boy, this is going to be tough, you know, they're going to be miserable and they're just worried about their health and. Um, various ailments, and he found out, um, as you pointed out, that not it wasn't necessarily so. You know that they had made choices about life as to what um, could make them happy and what gave them gratitude. Um, so it was a real eye opener for him. But I think that you know you've um, taken that idea and giving giving people real concrete ideas about you know how to how to work with this notion and how to give them strategies. So I wanted to see if we could talk a little bit more about some of the, you know, specific um, chapters of your book. Um, well, you know, that, you know, that just brings to mind when, when you're talking about the 85 year old, I do these aha moments. I don't want to jump ahead. I know we're going to talk about these. No, later we, on. I do these aha. Mo 
Um, yeah, aha moments on Wednesday. Every Wednesday morning, I send out what I call an aha moment, a little uplifting thought, something positive to help you get through the week. And they're free. You can go to my website, jimryantalks.com, and there's a little spot there to sign up. And, and you'll hear from me every Wednesday. I'm up to number, I think it's 782 now. I've been doing wow. this for a long time. 782 aha moments. And one of them was a very, you know, they're, sometimes they're, they're a sentence or two, sometimes they're a paragraph. And one of the ones, and I, I don't remember the exact wording that I put out there, but it's something like, if you want to be happy as an old person, you got to start now. You just don't become huh. happy. You know, you know, people that, that, that was just something for people to think about. Well, because so many people put things off. Oh, I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when that happens. Come on, you got to start now. And, and that's what the right. book is about. To, to read right. a chapter, try it. Maybe, maybe you bring some perspective or, or joy or happiness to your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking through some of your chapters here and, uh, Mm-hmm. I've noticed one is things to think about. Uh, one is like you live in a mansion. But tell us what that chapter is about. You know, uh, that's one of my favorite ones. I, sometimes in some of my talks, I'll include this. Uh, like the, I call it the parable of the mansion. We've all been to some kind of a big home, whether it's a mansion in Newport, Rhode Island, or uh, a fancy house on a Christmas tour in your town. And you walk into the house and you walk into the foyer and you admire the foyer, and then you, you know, peek into another room. Maybe it's the parlor, and you look, oh, this is a nice room, and that beautiful stuffed chairs, and beautiful window treatments. And then you go into the library, and there's the beautiful chairs with Tiffany uh, lamps and bookshelves filled. You just want to sit down and read a book. And I go through the whole house tour. And then, um, and then, and then I say, and then you go out with your friend. Usually you go with a friend and you go and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and you'll talk about the experience. And, and, and rarely will you, you know, if, if, if you ask your friend, what, what was your favorite room? They may say one thing that you didn't see as your favorite room. So anyway, we mm-hmm. talk about that experience and then we go in, we go back again and you go into this big, beautiful front door and you stand in the foyer and you're looking around and you see the, the beautiful oak table with a, a centerpiece and, and the chandelier. And then you say to your friend, okay, that's it. Let's go. And you say, what? You, we just got here. But so mm. the reality is so many people just live their whole life in the foyer. They never peek mm. into a room to, to see what it might be like. And, and that's where people miss out. They, they want to stay in the foyer. They're comfortable there. They, they see, you know, it's a small room. They, they can, you know, take it, take it all in. But the real life happens when you step out of the foyer and explore other rooms in the mansion of your life, whether it be, and I use the example of reading a book about the Civil War. Who knows? I, I, I saw, you know, a documentary on TV about the Civil War, and it may really interest you. So yeah, if you've yeah. always thought about that, you go down to the library. And, and anyway, you, you can explore things. And if, and if you right. get a couple of books on the Civil War and you don't like it, say, ah, okay, at least I, I looked at it. No, that's not for yeah. me. And yeah. it, so many people miss out because they stay in the foyer. Yeah. Uh, that's great, Jim. I, I love that metaphor. So, uh, folks, we're going to take a, a short break, Jim. So, um, but uh, when we come back, uh, we'll be talking much more with Jim Ryan the author of Simple Happiness. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Jim Ryan, the author of Simple Happiness, 52 Ways to Lighten Up. He's a motivational speaker, and he somewhat, you know, lightly refers himself when he introduces himself as a below-average golfer, which is better than me, Jim, because I'm a, I'm a no-average golfer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I picked that up. I was a member of the National Speakers Association, and a speaker came in to our local chapter, and she said that's how she introduces herself. And, and it's a great way to get the audience lightened up and on your side with something you know, slightly self-deprecating because many people yeah. are golfers. And if you admit that you're whatever below average or above, you know, it just kind of gets people on your side. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I liked it. I, that's why I picked it up. Yeah. But as I said, I, I don't play at all. So no average yeah. for me. So that's at any, no at any rate. Um, so before the break, Tim, we were talking uh, about some of the elements of your book um, and your um, uh, aha moment. Uh, uh, that you send out uh, on a weekly basis, um, and that uh, how many did you say you had over seven hundred of them? Your aha moments you sent I, out. I think I think uh, well last week I think it was seven hundred eighty-two. I'm not sure. I know it's in the seven hundred eighties. Wow! So if you divide right. that by fifty-two, that's fifteen years, almost fifteen years of aha moments, and uh, right. it keeps me going. It, you know, it's it's a way to communicate with my with my. Uh, tribe, people who have heard me speak or heard about me, and uh, I get a lot of positive comments from 
yeah. uh, when I send these out. You know, they're free, yeah, and uh, sometimes they'll hit you, and sometimes they won't. But yeah. people like them. Yeah. Do you, now, um, do people, uh, you know, send in comments to you about suggestions for aha moments that you might not have thought of? No, I take no suggestions from anyone. <laughs> no, I no, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, mostly it's it's a responding to my you know missives. You know, I, I send something out and people will respond. I think I think they like waiting to hear what I'm going to say more than right. you know. I I do get comments. Sometimes people disagree. That's fine. Sometimes say this is just what I needed today. This is this is I'm going to send this to all my friends. You get all mm-hmm. kinds of comments depending on how it hits those thousands of people that are on my list. Yeah, yeah. And I like that, that you said that on, a, on Wednesdays because, you know, if you send that early in the week, people are just getting going. And by Wednesday, I think they're looking for a little lift like, oh, you know, the, I guess the proverbial hump day of the week, you know, getting over that Wednesday yeah. hump. Um, so, um, so just um, to remind people, if they want to sign up for it, they go to your website. Is that right? That's it, jimryantalks.com, and there'll be a, a little uh, link or, a, you know, a, a, I'm not sure what the word is, but a, a place for you to put in your email address, and boom, you're on the list, and you'll hear from me every right. Wednesday. Right, right, great. So I wanted to get back to the book a little bit and just talk about some of the other chapters before we move on to some of your presentations, but... Um, uh-huh. um, so uh, I was looking at some of the other titles uh, of your chapters, um, and uh, um, one of them was "It's a Long Life," which certainly speaks to my forty-five forward idea. Um, well, that's it. You know, it, it, people. Well, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot to unpack in "It's a Long Life." I mean, mm-hmm. yes, for most of us, it is a long life, and we and we've got a chance to do better over and over again. But at the same time. We don't know how, how long the life is going to be, and right. um, we have a we have a, a chapter that's on the opposite side of that is relax. We may only have a few minutes left, so there's a balance <laughs> right. between having a long <laughs> having a long life, but hey, it may not be so long. So you know, don't waste time thinking about what you might do. I, I got that mm-hmm. one. Relax. We may only have a few minutes left from. A woman comedian. She's an older woman, and uh, Loretta LaRoche. If you, if you could ever get some of her books, she's funny and and right. very. Her perspective is good. Another one, another book that she wrote was uh, I, I forget what it is. Something about you know wear your party pants like a little girl dressed up only could only wear her fancy underpants when they were going to a party. She says wear them now. What are you waiting for? So you have to have, draw that that balance between. I could live a long life, so I've got a lot of time to do this, to do that. But at the same time, maybe I don't. And it's good to think about both ends of that spectrum because it gives us, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little oomph to get get going. Right, right. Um, now you have a, a chapter called uh, "It's All Made Up Anyway," which is interesting in kind of the the time we're living when you know there is a lot of questions about what's real and what's made up, but. Basically, uh, what's your what's the idea behind that uh, notion? This came to me. This came to me from another book. Uh, a friend of mine, a librarian, went to a conference, and the speaker 
uh, I can't think of the, the author's name, but he was he he and his wife wrote this book. He was a, a music uh, an orchestra conductor, and his wife was a, a therapist. And they got together and wrote this book. The art, the title is is I love the title, The Art of Possibility. And it, and the hmm. author is Benjamin Zander. It just comes to me as I talk. Benjamin Zander, Z A N D E R. And one of the chapters is it's all made up anyway. And the reality is we're making up we're how we respond to a circumstance is determining if we're happy or if we're sad or if we're you know del- delighted or if we're depressed one of the one of the one of the talks i give is eight characteristics of happy people and the first uh-huh. talk is inten- intention and, and how we see things so we're making up it's not the circumstance of my life that makes all the difference but how i respond to that circumstance and we all right. have a perspective, and we all bring that perspective to every circumstance. And some people are always looking at the dark cloud, and some people are looking at the silver lining. And it, it's important to understand that I'm, I'm the one that's making myself miserable, because somebody else could look at the same thing and, and be happy. You know, I, I, I tell stories about, I tell a story about these two um, shoe companies that were thinking of expanding overseas. So they sent reps to a, a third world nation and they both went over there and did, they got a good night's sleep and went out and scouted out the territory and they each went back to their hotel room and sent an email back to their boss. The first guy opens up his email and, and types in and says, situation is hopeless. Everybody is barefoot. And the other guy uh-huh. opens up his com- uh, computer. Unbelievable potential. Everybody is barefoot. So, you, you can't. You're the one that's deciding how you respond to every circumstance. So sometimes we've right. got to step back and ask ourselves, "What am I doing to myself? Why am I right. responding in a way that makes me sad, makes me angry, makes me miserable?" So we're doing it to ourselves. It's all made up anyway. So make it up <laughs> so you feel good. Make it up so it's empowering. Make it up so you learn a lesson. You know, everybody who comes into my life does so to teach me a lesson. Not to beat mm. me up, not to make me feel bad, but to teach me something about me. So, it, you know, right. many ways of looking at things. And this is just a, right. ho- hopefully people will see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, Jimmy, you have a, a chapter early on called What is Compassion? And then toward the end, um, you also have another chapter um, re- under the re- your section on reaching higher called uh, Be the Compassionate Observer of Yourself. So I think compassion is, is, is an important idea, and it seems to be um, singularly lacking today in, in a lot of spheres. I mean, you know, there's so much cynicism and so much um, hectoring of each other. I mean, there are a lot of you know, political divisions and so forth. But talk a little bit about your idea of compassion and why is it important for you. Well, again, it, it, it's, about, it's about happiness. What makes you happy? I mean, some people will look for everything that is on their side in the div- in the division in the country. They won't pay mm-hmm. they won't pay any attention to the other side because they're dead wrong. They don't know anything. So it's not really I mean that that's kind of like a a dead end for happiness if if your side doesn't win. Sure, if your side wins mm-hmm. then you're elated. But as far as compassion goes, it's I I I tend to bring it down to the more human level less nationalistic, political. I try to stay out of politics. I try to keep people uh, in their own little world. Uh, and I talk about 
where I used to live, there was a woman who would never look me in the eye. She she lived up the street. She was a neighbor. Not not that we were really friendly, but we knew each other from you know living on the same block for years. And she would walk down the street getting exercise, and I'm I'm out there raking my leaves, and I'd wave to her, and she'd look down. She never looked me in the eye. I would be walking past her house. She's washing her car. I'd wave to her. She'd look down. You know, and I'm saying to my audience, I tell this story. I said, why couldn't she just give me a little friendly hello back? You know, why not? What, what's her problem? I was judging her versus being compassionate. I was judging her. What's her problem? And one of the women in the audience raised her hand and said, maybe she's shy. So here I am, Jim <laughs> Ryan, giving a talk on happiness, but exhibiting a total lack of compassion. I was judging right. her never thinking of what was in her mind and why she didn't respond. Maybe she was shy. So that was an opportunity. Every time we would see each other, she would never look me in the eye, but it would be an opportunity for me to be compassionate, to withhold judgment. Who needs to judge others? I mean, we think we need to judge others, and it just proves that, you know, we need to judge people. It doesn't prove that we're better than anybody else. So, yeah. And that, you know, so for me, compassion is letting people be who they want to be without needing my okay. And it's such right. a, you know, a load off my shoulders. I don't have to be the judgment police. So often, yeah. that's our culture. Yeah. Judge, you know, yeah. uh, make, tell them you're a, you know, just keep quiet. Let them be who they want to be. And it's peaceful right. in your life. You know, right. and you can smile when you choose that compassionate action versus you know, just falling into your judgment mode, which you're so prone to do, not you, but many of us, me in, right. included, all of a sudden we, we choose a course of action that we feel good about. Wow. Right. And it's simple, right. but it's powerful once we make that choice. And Ron, once we do it once, you know what? We can do it again and again. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my life is a little less judgmental, a little less aggravating. And, right. You know, and you're taking and, that notion. The compassion for yourself. You, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, the compassion observer of yourself. So that so you're applying that to yourself in terms of being less judgmental of yourself. That's right. We're not perfect. We're gonna we're gonna you know, make mistakes, but stop beating yourself up. You know, it's okay. Well, who doesn't make a mistake? We all do. Yeah. But you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, stop beating yourself up. Yeah, I think the, it sort of ties into another chapter that I I noticed was about. It's sort of uh, similar, you know, which is um, you say don't make assumptions. So I think you were uh, talking about that in terms of that woman you pet. You know, you make assumptions about them, but you don't ask questions. I think that's you know really key is ask questions. <laughs> you know, ask people what you know. Just reach out. You know and. Because I, I think it is, you know, and sometimes I think that represents almost, you know, a shyness in yourself or, or reluctance to, to reach out, you know, because maybe you're, you'll be wrong about something. God forbid. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, we judge people and, and we make and, and that judgment is usually an assumption of some negative, you know, characteristic of a person. And we don't know. We don't know what's going on in that person's mind. But making assumptions, you know, is like a way of life for many of us. And and it leads to anger and depression and sadness and, you know, lack of understanding. And ask them, you know, ask questions. Get to know somebody before you make a judgment. Right, right. Now, let's talk a little bit. So you, you give a lot of presentations as well. 
and I guess you do some online and, 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 and many in person. Uh, but you have an unusual style, and you combine song and quotes and anecdotes and humor. So talk about how you develop this style, and what, what is it like? How do, how do people respond? Well, uh, it, it's, it's kind of just being me. You know, people... People hear me talk and they come up and they say, what, you know, what, what's your advice? And, and the advice is just be who you, who, be yourself. I play the guitar and, and it's a gift. I've been playing my guitar since I was a teenager. And, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, and I, I tell people, you know, I'm not a bad singer. But anyway, and that's, that's a, a little <laughs> deprecating, self-deprecating joke that I open with at the beginning of many of my talks. But, you know, Use the gift that you have, whether it's juggling or whether it's telling a joke or whether it's, uh, I play the guitar. And it, I, I, I usually sing a song by the Eagles, uh, peaceful, easy feeling. I'll come out and I'll pick, have my guitar on and I'll, and I'll tell a little joke about me. And then I'll say, this is how I hope we end today's program with a peaceful, easy feeling. And that kind of sets mm-hmm. a tone. And I start strumming the guitar and, you know, some people really like it and, you know, they get, I get a round of applause and I have another opportunity to tell another joke about the applause and it just kind of warms <laughs> people up. <laughs> so right. you never know. It's a risk. And people, you know, people, they like when you take a risk and they're rooting mm-hmm. for you to succeed. So that little thing there gets people to root for me, to be on my side. It opens their minds. And it's been a real blessing, and it works. It's a, you know, it's a tool, but it's a, it's a tool that that you know, helps people open their minds. Um, and again, I, I just over the years through the jail, I've, and through teaching, you know, I, I became a teacher, and and and, and you got to deal with your class in front of you, and you can either be a tyrant or you can get the kids to open up to the learning, and and that skill I developed as a teacher in the classroom carries through with, you know, with 500 people in an auditorium uh, or 20 people in a boardroom. It's the same skill is to get them on your side, get them to open up to your message. And it's a personality thing, but it's more, you know, being yourself, whoever you are. And, and people are, people, you're not going to fool anybody. As long as you're Mm -hmm. authentic, they're going to, they can deal with you. But if, if they catch you as a phony, you're going to turn them off. So you can't be, right. you can't be a phony. You got to, you got to be right. authentic. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, and they, love stories. Inter- they love stories too. And uh-huh, having good uh-huh. stories with, with the, you know, that they can relate to, you know, sometimes it's right. about me. Sometimes it's about people I've met and that brings right. people in too, because they can relate to those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Now in the, in the intro, I mentioned that you, you started off uh, teaching French and Italian and which I found interesting that I, you know, I mean, I looking at your background. I knew you're a kid who grew up in upstate New York, and so I think I asked you once, like, how, why French? How did you how did you uh, start teaching French? Or I, I actually, well, you know, not many people in America speak French, so that that's kind of an odd, you know, an oddity that that I'm proud of. I went to a Catholic mm-hmm. high school in upstate New York, and I was taught by a congregation of Christian brothers, the Irish Christian brothers. And I was mm-hmm. inspired by the men there, and I joined that congregation. I, I, I lived in the religious life for six years, uh, four years through a training program, through college, graduated. Then I went on to teach in a high school up in Boston. But I knew I was going to be I, – I felt this vocation as I progressed through um, high school. And I was good at French. I, it came easily to me. 
I, I was able to speak with the correct accent. I could remember all the words. It just came easily. And I, like I spoke before, what, what do you like to do? What are you good at? And I was good at French. I was good at other things, but I was especially good at French. And I knew the Christian brothers that I was joining were teachers. So I said, well, what am I going to teach? And I certainly wasn't going to teach physics, but, but French <laughs> came easy. So that's, I, I majored in French in college and, you know, did very well there. And, um, you know, was a successful French teacher. And, and again, using all the interpersonal skills, because kids, and the high school kids, are not necessarily, you know, in love with French. But to right. get kids to like it and have fun at it, and I'd use my guitar in the classroom, singing French mm. songs and all this mm. stuff to, to get them interested. And, and, and again, that was, it worked, and it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, my mom... Um, uh, taught Spanish. You know, she was um, mm-hmm. uh, a, a native speaker, a Cuban native speaker. And uh, so she taught us uh, growing up. And I did find it interesting, too. It, you know, knowing another language teaches you a different perspective on life, too, um, as well as teaching you a lot about, you know, different grammars of different languages that you don't really think about it if you just sort of, uh, you know, are immersed, you know, culturally in one language. Um, did you find that as well, that it taught you sort of a different perspective on, on life? With the culture. See, the language and the culture go hand in hand. I'm sure mm-hmm. when your mother was teaching you the language, the culture of, of Cuba was evident and, and was there in the language. And the same thing with the French, that the culture is there. The joie de vivre, the, all the, you know, the French cooking and the French artistic flair and, and, the, and the sounds of the words. And you say the grammar. The grammar, when you're studying a language, you really study the grammar, and then you relate it to English, and it just gives you, like you say, another a positive perspective on what's a noun, what's a verb, where do you, where do you place the, the object of the preposition, and all of these things that we don't think about, but when you learn another language, all of a sudden it becomes alive. And that's helped me in my writing. You know, it really has. And you as a journalist, knowing this, you know, grammar in two different languages or more, you know, is very helpful. Very, you know, it's very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, the the time has flown by. Before we've uh, finished, I just wanted to ask you, any surprises along the way of your journey um, in terms of things that you didn't expect um, um, uh, and and really uh, you know, appreciate later in life and 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 what anything new for you? Any uh, new books or ventures? Well, a couple of things that come to mind off the top of my head: people are people. We all want to be happy. Whether I'm speaking to you know financial advisors at at Mass Mutual or Prudential or Merrill Lynch, or if I'm speaking to the the teacher aides who, who work in, in the elementary schools with the, you know, with the special ed kids, they all have the same, we all have the same desire to be fulfilled and to be happy. Uh, and, and when I, I'm just, I continue to be humbled by the ability to deliver this message that people crave. I had one young man, I was giving a retreat in a church on Long Island and, you know, you don't know what you're getting, what people are picking up, okay? There's hundreds of people there. Sometimes people come up and make a nice comment and so on, but often you don't. And 
I gave a second talk at a, at a school district where this young man was a custodian, and I gave a keynote address at a superintendent's conference day. He came up after that second uh, exposure, and he came up and told me a story about when his father had passed away when he was younger, not that young. He was in his early 20s. His father had passed away and committed suicide. And he was, this man was devastated. He thought, I'd, he said, Jim, I thought I'd never be happy again. And then I heard right. you talk and he said, everything changed. My life completely turned around. I mean, that it's humbling and it's so exciting to be able to deliver a message that can be so powerful in people's lives. And it, it I can't, I mean, it, it's such a blessing and that that's what yeah. I continue to, to feel all the time. And, and even yeah. if it's not spoken, I'm sure it's felt by many people because it's just, it's, I hope yeah. I get, yeah. I get excited and, uh, you know, humbled at the Great. same time. It's just, well, thanks so much, great. Jim. Well, listen, folks, um, we've come to the end of our time today, but you can tell your friends if they missed my conversation, uh, with Jim Ryan, they can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com or search for it on my 45, uh, 45 forward on my uh, website, rowellresources.com. So be sure to join me next Monday at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, when I'll be airing the special encore show with Mary Pfeiffer, the author of A Life in Light, a perfect summer reading in the light in August. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.